everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Jeff. Joining me as always, fresh from the Pacific Northwest, is our other co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome back. Are we all rested and, and refreshed and ready to go? You know, I think it, uh, our listeners are going to think I'm a hypochondriac or something. It's just been a, it's been a rough couple of years, uh, but I am I am ready to rumble uh, like never before. I'm uh, tanned and rested and ready. Well, we were both unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> I was flat on my back having back spasms. I was not in a place where I likewise could sit up and talk about baseball. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't going to be a good show if we did a show at all. It was just BS moaning. It would be, yes. yeah, my bad. Oh, yeah, that's not that's not entertaining. But what that does mean is this week we got to we got to jam pack a whole bunch of stuff in, a whole bunch of baseball stuff. Because I got a lot of stuff that I had ready for last week. You've got something you had, and then of course we've got Wax Packs Heroes, which is going to be a little a uh, little bit different. We're going to open some different packs this week. Uh, it'll be interesting. Also, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't join us last week, we had a watch along during the week where we, we on, on Twitch, we watched a baseball game, the angels and the white Sox. I'm going to try to put that up. If you weren't with us, I'm going to try to put that up on our YouTube page. It is essentially us just watching a game and talking about baseball. So if you want like a two and a half hour unscripted podcast about baseball maybe go put that on the background while you're doing some yard work or something and and listen to that because we had a good time we'll hopefully do some more of those in the near future but mark we got to get right into batting practice here because we got a lot of things to to get ready with i'm ready i'm i'm like i said i am rested and ready uh which i've never been both at the same time before so this is going to be great well let's take advantage of it so last week in between my my back spasms, I actually went to a card show. I was in yeah. pain during the card show, but I went. Uh, and I, I probably wouldn't have gone. I didn't even know about it until the day before. But then the I saw who was there. And this was a card show in a mall. Like, if this was not a big go-to-a-convention-center thing. This was in a mall. There were a lot of tables there. But none other than my favorite catcher of all time was there signing autographs, Terry Steinbach. Heck yeah, I'm going. It was uh, really cool. I met him. I got him to sign a jersey. I got a picture taken. And uh, it was so awesome to see Terry Steinbach, like my all-time favorite catcher. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm happy for you because uh, he's a good dude, isn't he? Yeah, and and somebody sent me a picture. I posted it on like my Ricky Henderson group that I'm in. I posted a picture, and somebody sent me back a picture. I don't remember. I think his name is Colin. I don't remember his last name. From whose line is it anyway? The, you know, like the British yes. version. I think he came yes, on. Yes, And uh, they look exactly alike. <laughs> Not really? Like, yeah. That's awesome. Like, like is his name somebody proops is the other guy the other like british guy. greg i think greg he's a huge baseball fan greg proops if you didn't know i did that. not know that yeah he'll he'll tweet on social media and stuff about baseball but he is a huge baseball fan but it was just, it was so exciting and as if that was not the most exciting thing if anybody listening to this has seen a picture of me you're probably thinking i'm like 27 years old right yeah, if that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking teenager. I did get carded this week. I'm not gonna lie. Nice, <laughs> but that's not true. Uh, my birthday coming up this year, I'm going to turn 50 years old. Now, there has been something that's been on my bucket list for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it. I've uh, even planned for it before, but then other things came up. I am signed up for Ace Fantasy Camp this year. I am so. So excited. I cannot tell you. I need everybody here to all of our listeners to kind of keep me in line. I got to get in shape because I can't have back spasms during this week. <laughs> no, no, that would be really bad timing. Yeah. So I was I was on the page for this fantasy camp looking at who the coaches are going to be this year. And I am very excited for this. Uh, first of all, the first time coach, the kind of the headliner, they call it this year is going to be Barry Zito. So there's a Cy Young Award winner right there. The other coaches here of note, Vita Blue. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, another Cy Young MVP. Dallas Braden, who, of course, is the A's play-by-play guy on TV, threw a perfect game on Mother's Day in 2010. I knew you'd be excited about this, Mark. Greg Cataray is one of them. Oh, nice. <laughs> I know that you know uh, him uh, as, as from Tacoma. Uh, Campy Campanaris is going to be there. Oh, wow. Excellent. Uh, Bobby Crosby, 2004 Rookie of the Year. Very cool. I'm excited about this, and I'm hoping to be drafted onto his team. Scott Hatterberg. There you go. Former Washington, well, not former, he's a Washington State Cougar, as am I. So, obviously one of the star people that they focused on during Moneyball. Carney Lansford, my favorite third baseman of all time, is going to be there. Another coach, Terry Steinbach, is going to be there. (laughs) Dave Stewart, my favorite pitcher of all time, is going to be there. So, exciting times come January of next year. Which, you know, the world will probably end in December, but... (laughs) <laughs> I'll go yeah. I'll go out hopeful at least no man I, I if I were in your shoes uh, well I'd be getting blisters because it'd be too big for me so let's move on uh, <laughs> but if I were you I would be totally stoked I mean I'd be having trouble sleeping I'd be so excited I, I'm watching videos of other fantasy camps and uh, you know the kangaroo courts the teaching the games all this stuff I'm super excited so Obviously, I'm going to be talking about that quite a bit. So just get used to it, everybody. I'm sorry. A couple of other things I wanted to talk about. 1968. We have talked about 1968 before. The year of the pitcher. Bob Gibson lowering the mound. Just Danny McLean. So what do you think the Major League batting average was that year in 1968? Oh, boy. I would guess somewhere in the 240s. Very good. 237. Nice. You know what it is this year? What? 242. Really? Five points better. That is it. So, you know, first of all, a lot of people are always complaining. Oh, all they do is hit home runs. Well, well, (laughs) they strike out an awful lot. Nobody's hitting for anything. I think I think in 1968 is the lowest average that anybody's ever won the batting title with. I want to say it was 301. I I closed that page, but I think that was it. I then also looked up the uh, league ERA in 1968, the year of the pitcher. Do you have any idea what that was? Uh, no clue. Man. Is it, was it around three? 2.98. You're good at this. Wow. <laughs> like <you're really> <laughs> man, I guess. This year, 4.02. Ooh, okay. That's a big difference. Yeah, that is a, that is a big, big difference is right. I, a lot of those home runs is yes. what it is. It's the three true outcomes there. It's it's not so many not so much getting hits as it is hitting the ball far. Yeah, when you hit the ball, it's generally a run. So, yes. Now I've got to ask. I got to ask our listeners: Is this funny? So we were texting today. The A's at the Mariners over this weekend. Uh, I was out and about today with my wife, and uh, when the game was going on, and we were actually sitting down to eat, and I was texting you and our buddy Mitch about the Mariners, and and we were joking about one of the pregame festivities that they do called pop fly and a catch and i made a joke that neither of you responded to and i was just cracking myself up at the at the table <laughs> where we were eating i i was saying that uh, if there is a a baseball karen at a at the stadium that wants to complain about something she's gonna ask to talk to the manager like does scott service come up and say ma'am how may i help you i thought that was <laughs> i don't know i was laughing i need to speak to the manager yeah. now <laughs> Let's see, since we weren't here last week, Jesse Winker. Yeah. So I, the whole pizza thing is is funny. Um, I, if you haven't heard, he there was some shenanigans going on with the Mariners and the Angels with some, some pitches going up towards people's heads. And Jesse Winker had enough. He tried to take on the whole Angels bench. Enterprising Mariners fan had seen that Mountain Mike's Pizza is the official pizza of the Los Angeles Angels van Heim. She sent them uh, a pizza, sent Jesse Winker a pizza during the game, and it got to him in the clubhouse. So I thought that that was pretty funny. Now, Jesse Winker has had, I mean, he is one of those lightning rods that if he's not on your team, you probably really don't like him. Uh, (laughs) Last year when he was with the Reds, he had a thing going with Mets fans. The Mariners were in New York earlier this, I think, last month, and, and they were really on him a lot. 
I'm getting on him because he's wearing some real stirrups now, which is great. But at least the first couple of games he started doing that, he was wearing crew socks underneath. Ooh. Not ooh, sanitaries. Bad. Yeah, that's not the right that's look. That's a bad look. I zoomed in on a picture of it, too. And it's like, it's got the stripes. You can't, I mean, you know, sanitaries are real thin. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean. Props for the stirrups, but if you're going to wear crew socks under them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. Uh, he also, when when the Mariners were here in Oakland a couple of weeks ago, one of the the fans that is uh, always out in left field, not with the drums, but with the flags and the, and the signs, he had a GoPro that he had over. He was uh, filming a video over by the Mariners dugout, and Jesse Winker walked by, and he was uh, engaging him in a conversation. Winker actually took his GoPro and stuck it on his hat and went and took BP and then took it back to him. Which was That's so cool. cool. Yeah. That's awesome. We got a Lars Newbar update. Oh, right on. Yeah, he's back and he's carrying a heavy thunderstick worthy of somebody named Lars. But uh, it, that was only in one at bat. He hit a home run, He but he's three for 20 since coming back, which is yeah. not. Now, okay, again, I'm, I'm new to baseball. I don't think that's good. No, three for 20 is is uh, not what you want to aim for. Yeah, no. Uh, he has a 218 on-base percentage this year in the big league. So, Lars, you really need to step it up. Lenny Dykstra and Richard Marks are beefing on Twitter. I'm not again? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, again, this is, you can't lose in an argument with nails because you can literally say anything about him and you're, you're bulletproof. I do want to talk about Richard Marks, though, not because he was a key part of my arsenal with the ladies in high school, but because he is a big baseball fan, he and he and Greg Proop should hang out together. Uh, Specifically, he's a big Cubs fan. So his take this heart video, I, I know I've mentioned it before, but it depicts the hapless Cubs beating the juggernaut Oakland A's in the late 80s. And there's cameos by Ricky in it. Uh, Jose Canseco, Dennis Eckersley, Tony La is in it. Uh, Jim Lefevre, who was the manager of the Cubs at that point, is in it. Bob Euchre. I think is is doing the play-by-play in the video. And the musical performance was at least filmed in the Oakland Coliseum, but there are, there are some glaring errors in this video. One, both teams are wearing their home uniforms throughout the game, so that doesn't make sense. That's interesting, yeah. And, and then Marks supposedly walks off the game for the Cubs despite playing in Oakland, so I'm not <laughs> sure how that one worked. But regardless, it's just one of two music videos Ricky Henderson has been Gotcha. Yeah. Maybe Richard Mark should come on the show. Maybe he, maybe he could write us a, like a theme song. Mm, yeah. Or we just use an existing Richard Marks, like hold on to the night. That is our new theme song. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise. Well, I, I think we should vote. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> All right. Hey, no, Richard, if you're out there, we will be right here waiting for you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be right here waiting for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, or what about Take This Heart? Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise. I think that really goes along with our theme. Well, <laughs> take this heart. All right. This pod is debuting on July 5th. We got a couple of debuts. This is an important one. Today in 1947, Larry Doby made his debut in the big leagues. I'm guessing most people have heard Larry Doby's name, probably know he's the second black player in Major League Baseball and the first in the American League, he came. Oh, I didn't. I, he didn't come up with. He played for Cleveland. He yes. never played in the minor leagues for Cleveland. He came up directly from the Negro Leagues. His contract was purchased. I'll get into that in a minute. And then he played for Cleveland. He did this just three months after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947. He signed a contract to play with Bill Veck's Cleveland team. So of course, Bill Veck did it because he was. Right. Way ahead of everybody else. He was else. Bill Vec. Yeah. <laughs> By the <laughs> way, Vec actually 
purchased Dobie's contract from, I think it was the Elite Giants, is who he was playing for before. Branch Rickey refused to pay for Robinson's contract. He just says, hey, we, right. we want him. And they essentially took him. We stand Bill Vack even more for that. But Dobie hit the first postseason home run by an African-American during the World Series. It was a third inning shot off of Johnny Sane in game four of the 1948 World Series. Also the first black home run champion leading the American League in 1954. He also went on to be the second black manager and was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1998. Now, obviously, Jackie was the first to break the color barrier and all the honors he is. They're all very well deserved. But I found this incredible quote by Dobie and, and I really wanted to share it. He said, quote, Jackie got all the publicity for putting up with it meaning all the racial slurs. But it was the same thing for me. I had to deal with it as well. He was first, but the crap I took was just as bad. Nobody said, we're going to be nice to the second black, end quote. Yeah. So, I mean, Larry Doby, really, a he had a really great career in the big leagues as well. So I mentioned that he led the league in home runs. He led the league twice, both in 1952 and 1954, led the league in RBI in 1954 as well. Had a good stick, career 288 average, a 389 on base, stole 64 bases, hit 273 home runs, had 1099 RBI and a career 140 OPS plus. So he really did a lot. Won two World Series, a nine-time All-Star. Wow. But, uh, that's pretty impressive. And, and, and what's really great is it's listed as two World Series. He won it with Cleveland in 1948, but he also won it with the Newark Eagles in 1946. And that counts. So that's awesome. Nice. Also making his debut today in 1980, July 5th, Randy Johnson. Hey, with the uh, Montreal Expos. No, with the Chicago White Sox. Oh, really? Yeah, the six foot two, one hundred ninety five. <laughs> Randy Johnson. He was uh, primarily an outfielder, but also DH. You <laughs> fooled me, man. Yeah, Randall Stewart Johnson. Uh, Nineteen eighty, played twelve games for the White Sox, and then in eighty two, he played for the Twins. Only appeared in uh, one hundred one games over his two year career. But it's interesting, in the entire history of Major League Baseball, there have only been three players named Randy Johnson, and all of them played between 1980 and 2009. Okay, well, there must be something about the name Randall during that time period. Only one of them, though, shockingly enough, made the, the Hall of Fame. Ah, yeah, well, not every Randy Johnson that's played has made the Hall of Fame. No, the other Randy Johnson was also a position player. He played second and third. 82, 83, and 84, he played for Atlanta. And then he went over and he played for Hiroshima in Japan and played really well. This is like the second show in a row where we've highlighted guys that kind of burnt out in the major leagues after a short time and then went on and had great careers in Japan. And this Randy Johnson is is one of those guys. I like that. I like how you, you sprung that on me there. I know. I, I fooled you. I fooled you. and sinker. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for our pregame show. Let's let the ground screw come out and do their stuff. They're a little bit out of practice. They had a week off, so uh, they're they're slowly getting back in shape here. But let's go into the main part of our show. Mark, this week, it is all on you. What do you want to talk about? Well, there's this dude I came across. Born in 1915. His name was Henry Barrett. He had one. He had a very strange and unique nickname in the manner of baseball speaking. His name was, they called him Red. Have you ever heard of anybody mm. else being called Red in, in Major League Baseball? I've I, uh, yeah. you, you know, I seem to remember a uh, an episode we did where we came up with the uh, most used nickname in baseball history. What do you remember? What that was? Was it Dutch? Uh, that was on the list, but not number one. Must have been Red. Uh, I think Red was second. I think Lefty was first. <laughs> <laughs> lefty. Yeah. You know how many righties are there? Righty Stenerud. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why aren't there? That's a good. You only get credit if you're a lefty. You know what? Well, I guess we kind of both already have nicknames. I was going to say, I'm going to start calling you righty, but no. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. There could be many reasons to call someone righty, but I've never heard of it. The lefties, they get all the the attention in in baseball. Red, uh, as he was known, uh, born in 1915, he uh, went to a small high school. 
the boys all wanted to play football, but the farmers, the ranchers, they were too afraid that the boys would get hurt playing football and not be able to work on the ranch. Uh, so they, uh, consequently, they played baseball. Now, I just got to, you, you say that they played baseball, but we have determined how many early baseball players had horrific farm accidents and they're oh, worried gosh. about football. Yeah, yeah, that's just true. It's the farm accident that'll keep them from playing baseball. For exactly. Let's Not keep, the other way around. Keep guys. the kids off the farm. Put them on the diamond. Uh, he he uh, decided to try out for uh, the Los Angeles Angels. It was a Western Association Class C team, and, and uh, he went up against 500 other ball players, and they were looking for to fill 17 roster spots. And he did well. He made the team. 15 and 12 that year. And then the next season he flipped it over and went five and 12. And uh, I love this comment by his manager, Mike Gazella, after uh, they released red, he said his decision was partly because, and I quote, red was too screwy. Unquote. Well, okay. That, that's, that fits a lot of people in today's baseball. Uh, he went on to play uh, for the Muskogee Reds. So we had red plan for the Reds. Uh, his contract was purchased by Cincinnati Reds later that season. He said, uh, I love this quote, it was a lucky day for me when I got away from the Angels and a lucky day for Cincinnati when they got me. Because if ever there was a major league pitcher, it's Red Barrett. So he was pretty humble. He was, you know, up and down uh, from the big leagues to the minors. Uh, he played in uh, the International League the next season. He went 16-3 and three, uh, with a 2.34 earned run average and was called up in August. He actually uh, led the Reds to victory over the Brooklyn Dodgers at the end of that season and uh, tossed a seven-hit shutout against uh, St. Louis. So he started showing uh, some signs of promise from 37 through 1940 with the Reds up and down from the big leagues to the minor leagues. Uh, he only tossed 44 innings in the course of that time in the big leagues, but he was 3-0, and so, you know, undefeated. Uh, another great quote I got from Barrett, uh, he was talking to Bob Ray in an article in the L.A. Times. He said, I am no strikeouter. These strikeout pitchers are chumps in my book. <laughs> Me, <laughs> right? Me, I try to make them hit that first ball. After all, those other guys out there are supposed to work too. If everybody in business was like me, there wouldn't be so many people out of jobs. My idea is to throw as few pitches as possible. Even when you strike out a batter, it generally takes four to seven and sometimes even more pitches. I'd rather get that batter out in one pitch and save my arm. I am a control, and if you don't mind my saying, a smart pitcher. Yet he used the word strikeouter just strike earlier outer. in that quote. <laughs> Again, Red's humility coming out first and foremost. It, it's funny because we we talked a few weeks back about how uh, we had a, we were talking about a player that said, "Hey, I I I'm no, I don't hit those cheap home runs," as if there's something wrong with striking a guy out or hitting a home run. Things have definitely changed as far as that goes. Ty Cobb, we've talked about how he before has, uh, he said, I could hit home runs if I wanted, went out and did just to prove a point. It wasn't popular to hit home runs. Uh, now it's all that we look for. So it's, it's interesting how much the game is. Unless changed. you're an A's fan and you just, you're just hoping for a base hit here and there. Believe me, as a Mariners fan, I've seen those days too. And well, <laughs> that, they were Thursday. Uh, you know, that's all I'm saying. Uh, he got away from the Reds. The Boston Braves purchased his contracts, his contract from the Reds in 1943, and he played a full season in the big leagues for the Boston Braves. He went 12-18 and 18 with a 3.18 earned run average, and uh, he uh, threw a complete game in his first game in 1942, giving up just six singles and winning 5-2, to two, driving in a couple of runs himself. When he faced uh, the Reds on August the 10th, 1944, it was his old team, and he was facing up against uh, manager Bill McKechnie's ace, Mr. Bucky Walters. There was a few Buckies in baseball history, too. There's no more Buckies. We need a Bucky or two. I, I think after Bucky Dent, they were outlawed. Uh, there was or Bucky no, Jacobson. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we've got Bucky. He was with the Mariners, too, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, that's right. I remember Bucky with one of the fun guys that, that uh, the— City really got behind and enjoyed. It was fun to watch. You think he, he he's a radio personality there on KJR now? Is he, he was he was definitely fun to watch. He, Bucky was uh, a unique ball player, but this is a different Bucky, of course. And uh, 
the whole point I'm leading up to is this very game I'm talking about right now, you know, about how red was very quick worker, how he didn't believe in strikeouts up against another ace and Bucky Walters. Uh, they, they had this amazing pitchers duel and, uh, here, here is a, a, a great quote that kind of describes the game uh, in, in a succinct manner. Both pitchers continued to pour the pellet towards the plate with precision and speed. That is verbiage right there. That's how you talk. That's how you're supposed to write. The Braves were able to get a couple of runs early. There were no big rallies. Uh, they, they held on with their little two-run lead. Red was completely amazing. He described himself as not a strikeout pitcher. No, a strike-outer, strike-outer. A strike-outer, yeah. He, he didn't strike anybody out. He uh, he didn't believe in it. So there, if you look at the line, the pitching line on it, Red Barrett, nine innings, two hits, and the rest are zeros across the line. No walks, no strikeouts, nothing else. Bucky Walters gave up only six hits over nine innings. He did walk one and strike out one. So in this game, just like you would see today, uh, one strikeout only in the entire game. And definitely being <laughs> yeah. facetious. The great thing about this game is it is it is what what we're looking for as far as fast-paced gaming. You know, everything is about pace of play. Well, this was the ultimate pace of play game. It lasted one hour and 15 minutes. The production team's dream game. Absolutely. If you're looking to get home early and throw some steaks on the grill during a day game, even a night game would have worked in this case. An hour and 15 minutes. It's a fun box score to check out. The official score recorded it at an hour and 15. It's documented an hour and 15. Red, like to say it was an hour and seven. What Did he have a watch in his pocket while he was pitching? You know, to, did I he believe keep, he was counting the seconds. Did he head. keep track of time of game? Like, where did he come up with this number? Did he rewatch <laughs> it the next day when, they're, oh, when oh, the yeah. local uh, cable station replayed the game? He got on YouTube. Oh, okay. And he checked it out. You can tell, you know, with a little timestamp on it. Uh, Red once said, my biggest thrill, without a doubt, came in a night game, August 10th, 1944, when pitching for the Braves against the great Bucky Walters. I let the Reds down with two hits and beating them with 58 pitches in an hour and seven minutes. I believe this is an all-time record for the least number of pitches in a nine-inning game. Beating Bucky was an added thrill, of course. So he went out, according to him, only 58 pitches. Uh, an hour and 15 minutes. Red Barrett went on. We might have to talk about him again. He didn't have a storied baseball career, but he did have a pretty impressive singing career. Oh. And he's got some interesting stories there, too. So we might have to have a, a part two Red Barrett story just about his singing career. But uh, today was about him throwing the fastest, most efficient game in Major League Baseball history. And I hope some way to be working someday to be working the game that beats this record. So, yeah, that wraps up my what I wanted to talk about. Very exciting that baseball could only, a uh, game could only last an hour and 15 minutes. I don't think any sort of pitch clock or robotic umpire is going to uh, get us back to that sort of time period. But if pitchers start not trying to be strikeouters, maybe, <laughs> just maybe, we can get to an hour and 15 minute game. Just think about that. So, I, you know, games started at different times back there, but this was a night game for sure at Crosley Field. Yes. I'm wondering if it started at six or seven or six thirty. There's no there's no start time here, but let's just assume even it started at seven ten. You're done by eight twenty five. You're done <laughs> before eight thirty and you're on your way home and night you're cranking this is nineteen forty four, so I think is that isn't that when you had to like crank your car to get it started? <laughs> I think they were past that by then. But, oh, okay. Uh, what do we know about There cars? might have still know. been some horses in the parking lot, no? <laughs> In 44, I mm, I doubt it. But uh, maybe they were just there on display. I don't know. Studebakers? I don't know. Studebakers and Edsels and all that fun stuff. Okay. I like to imagine that they were cranking their cars up there. <laughs> Let's just say they were. If you're listening and you don't know a lot about cars either, they were cranking their cars. It was really oh, interesting. Definitely, yeah. The attendance is listed as 7,783. And for a Reds team that was five, uh, 10 games over 500 at this point in the middle of August, I have to assume that they just, the, the crowd would have been bigger, but they showed up late and the game was already over. Yeah, well, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, uh, he did spend some time in L.A. We know that Dodger fans are well known for showing up in the third or fourth inning. Boy, they would have they shown up in the bottom of nine on this one. Uh, Red Barrett 
efficiency expert. Now, see, when you started talking about Red Barrett, I typed in Red Baron. And of course, there is, I mean, there oh. is a baseball player named Red Baron. And there's a pizza named Red Baron that's quite good, too. I was like, this Red Baron, he only played for one year and he didn't pitch. Uh, but he uh, did get involved in some, <laughs> some, he was involved in controversy at Georgia Tech where he went to school and then tried to, I guess, take over the school or something. That's, a, that's Red that Barrett. That sounds like a story. Not Red Barrett. Who, when you look at Red Barrett's picture, if you want to look it up, it looks like somebody who is actually, he should have been named Opie. <laughs> maybe, maybe his mom called him Opie. Because you know, you know, his name's Charles Henry Barrett. So you know that he's got red hair under that hat. Right. Yeah. So definitely Opie. I'd call him Opie. I bet his teammates called him Opie. It would be strange to have great, really black, dark hair and be called red. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, again, that, that reminds me of the of uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, where where Morgan Freeman is nicknamed Red. That's right. That there's there's a guy who you wouldn't expect to be named Red. Okay. Well, we'll we're just gonna leave it. At that. <laughs> but I am gonna start calling you Lefty. Uh, but I don't use my. I know, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna be contrary like that. <laughs> right, well, maybe it's for my maybe it's for like something else, my my left toe or something. I don't know. All right, so there it is. There is Red Barrett, not Red Baron, and uh, the quickest game ever pitched. I think minutes used to be 63 seconds back in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> that must be how he came up. With that. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we are going to wrap up our uh, story segment of the show, and we're going to head into everybody's favorite. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull a Wax Pack Hero! All right, Mark, I am on a streak that uh, some have described in the media as uh, unbelievable. Uh, others yeah. have had didn't describe it at all because they didn't care. That was most of them. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was that was most of them. But I have won, I think, three in a row now. Yeah, which is unheard of. And if we look at the scoreboard right now, I am up four games to three. And uh, we have got a couple of interesting packs to open this week and i'm gonna just go over them before we go over the rules normally we're opening packs of major leaguers we're opening oh here's you know 88 tops here's a 89 upper deck right there they're major league players so at this card show last week i was looking for boxes of stuff to open and i found plenty of boxes that were psa sealed and i i'm like i want to i want to rip these i don't i'm not paying for the the psa right yeah Uh, but what i did find is i got two boxes of one is of double a cards from 1992 and the other is triple a cards from 1991 so I thought, you know, that'll be fun. We'll get some names we probably haven't talked about before. We'll probably get some guys that never made it, but we'll also get some guys that might be down, you know, had some time in the majors and were down in the minors or guys that hadn't made the majors yet that went on to have good careers. So I've ripped a couple of packs of these. We ripped a, a two packs during that watch along last week. And it was really fun because, yeah, we get some guys we've never heard of that didn't make the bigs or did and we didn't even know. But we also got some names of some guys that went on to have good careers. And now we're able to retire because we have these pre-rookie cards, that, that is, as they call them. So this sure. is how we're going to do this. Since we usually go by the baseball reference war of the year that we are looking at, they're not going to have, well, I mean, some of them might, but most of them are not going to have a war from this year. So what we're going to do is we are going to take their best year in the majors when we're opening these minor league packs. That will be the war that we're going to use to do this. The rest of the rules all stay the same. Anything on the face, eye black, glasses, mustache, anything like that, plus 10, uh, plus a tenth of a point. If they've got the real stirrups, it's a tenth of a point. If it's a two and ones, which I am going to definitely not wear at Fantasy Camp, that is a minus tenth of a point. Sweatbands, you get a, a tenth of a point. If you've got their your jersey number or your caricature on it, that's an extra tenth of a point. Any of their final three seasons in the big leagues, 
in Seattle. That's a tenth of a point for each one. Two flaps or no flap. This one might come into play because in the minors, you you, you wear two flaps. So yes. that might help. Uh, batting without batting gloves, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. If in this best year of their career in the majors, they won an award like Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP. If they were an all-star, won a gold glove, half a point of war for each of them. If they're in the Hall of Fame, you're going to get a whole extra point. I don't think we're going to get a Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan in either of these, so we'll forego that. <laughs> Probably not. And I think yeah. we're we're going to, I think we should forego the picking a team on this one. Yeah, I think you're right. Just because we, we're going to take these in the minors. All right, so Mark, I'm going to shuffle these up. I've got one in my left hand, one in my right hand. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, um, but I'm going to have you pick, left or right. I've been picking the right and losing. So could the right pack lose four times in a row? We're going to find out. I'm going with the right. Okay. So you have picked the double A from 1992. Okay. I'm going to have you go first. This pack has 15 cards. So I'm going to have to have you lose five cards out of this top or bottom. Let's, let's lose the five off the bottom. Five off the bottom. All right. Just in case you're curious, these are skybox. What these are called. All right, so you are going to lose uh, Marvin Cobb. Oh, no. Brother of Ty. This guy, he's a pitcher. His glasses literally are taking up three quarters of his face. <laughs> uh, let's see. Todd Duma, pitcher for the Mets. Steve Cook, pitcher for the, uh, the Mudcats here. Miguel Flores, the, uh, he was an infielder. Oh, here's at least a name we know. Tony Eusebio, catcher. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. No Tony for me. No Tony Eusebio for you. So here we go. We're going to get right into it here. Uh, now, when we've opened these before, we've kind of found out that we'll be like, I've never heard of that guy. And then we'll look him up and he played for six years in the big leagues. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. So your first card is Mike McDonald. Oh, uh, yeah. He used to sing with uh, the... No, he Wait, had a I'm farm. thinking of the wrong guy. Yeah, no, oh, he, actually, oh, he actually had a farm. <laughs> Let's see. Didn't Mike McDonald sing like Yamo Be There? Yeah. That's Michael McDonald. Oh, he was a oh. lot more formal. This uh, this guy does not. Nothing in his cards can help you out. Well, now see, I don't know. He's not wearing batting gloves, but he's. this is a posed picture. So this is not game action. So I, I don't think we can give you that. All right. Michael never made it to the big leagues. He was drafted by the Mariners in the fourth round of the 86 draft, made it as high as triple A in Calgary in 1992. Ooh, the cannons. Yeah, the Calgary cannons is right. So nothing on your first card right there, but uh, at least you didn't minus anything there. Yeah, well, I didn't trip and fall on my face this time. Well, not this time. It's your first card, so just... Right. Well, Give me time. Your next card is a pitcher here with the Memphis Chicks, who I remember, because remember when Bo Jackson made the cover of Sports Illustrated? He I was do. playing for the Memphis Chicks. That's right. That's how I remember him. It's Archie Corbin. Archie, yeah. Uh, of the comic book fame, I imagine. Uh, Archie Corbin played three years in the big leagues for three different teams. 91, 96, and 99, and uh, he came up with the Royals. Uh, then he played for the uh, the Orioles and then the Fish in 1999. His best year as a big leaguer came in 96 with the Orioles, where he went 2-0 in 18 games, had a 2.3 ERA and a 2.17 ERA plus, and that is good for a .9 so, I mean, that's better than a kick I got in the on face. the board. I'm on the board. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, that was uh, that was clearly his best year. Looking at his transactions, though, uh, let's see. Uh, granted, signed by the Pirates. Uh, granted, free agency, signed by the A's. Released by the A's. Signed by the Orioles. Released by the Orioles. Signed by the Padres. Released by the Padres. Signed by the Marlins. Wow. Uh, he was traded at one point for Pat Tabler. Of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays? Yes, uh, and the and the Royals is where I also remember him. He's yes. a, he had a, a very good average with, uh, with the bases loaded. Interesting. All right, so you're on the board there. Next, we've got a card, Jose Oliva. Oliva, hmm, not uh, Miguel, huh? Not Tony. The skillet. All right, so Jose Oliva, now see, this kills me because we're both like, uh, he played for four years, or I'm sorry, oh, wow. for two years. 
Uh, he split time between Atlanta and St. Louis in 94 and 95. Wow. I mean, this would have been right in 94 and 95. That was my heyday of knowing everyone in baseball. Uh, let's see. His best year between the two of those would have been his rookie year in 94 with Atlanta. Let's see. He appeared in 19 games, hit six home runs and 11 RBI in, in those hey. 19 games, hit 288. And that's good for a 364 on base and a 162 OPS plus. And that equals a 0.7 war. Oh, man, this is good. Yeah, I, I think our scores are going to be a little bit lower here, but uh, you know, get some different names here. He was one. Oh, he came to Atlanta for Charlie Liebrand. Mm. Oliva was the last St. Louis Cardinal to wear number 42 ah, after okay. he was retired. Yes. For, uh, for Jackie Robinson. Moving along, uh, we've got a Huntsville star. Yep, they're still the A's at this point. It's David Jackass. Not Jackus. David Jackass. David no. Jackass. Now, I don't know this name at all. I'm going to be surprised if he made the majors. Yeah, he never made the majors. Uh, let's see. He played for... Oh, he only played for Oakland this one year in 92. He came up with Minnesota and spent 86 through 91 with Minnesota in the minor leagues. Did not have much power. He did hit for average quite a few times, hit over 300 several times. But, uh, let's see. Oh, stole a lot of bases, 165 stolen bases, but not much else going on there for uh, David Jackus. Short, uh, what is it? A short skirt, long Jackus? Yeah. Uh, all right. Now, this is such a generic name. I don't know if I know this guy or not. Uh, also with the Huntsville Stars, it is Todd Smith. Well, you know, there aren't many Todd Smiths on the planet. Well, here, let's check out. There's an Instagram uh, account currently for Todd Smith. Uh, but he appears to be like 18, so I don't think that's him. <laughs> let's see. Since uh, those cards weren't around 18 years ago. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, wow. He's from, uh, oh, he's from Susanville. I thought it was from Sassoon, which is near me. Never made the majors. Drafted by Oakland. Spent four years in the minor leagues, all with Oakland. But it just another guy that did not make the big leagues here for you. Best season in the minors probably would have been 91 in Modesto, where he went four and four with a 2.97 ERA out of the pen and four saves. But that that's not going to help you out. No, that's, that's uh, nice to know. He might be a teacher here locally. <laughs> Let's see if that's Strictly Baseball. Owner of Strictly Baseball in Fairfield, California. Uh, let's see here. Yep, yeah, here. Outfielder, pitcher, player, coach for the Bend, Oregon Bandits, which is the independent team that he played for. Nice. All right, so you're not having much luck. This isn't, <laughs> we're not really grabbing any names here that we know. Uh, next, you've got a pitcher for the uh, Hagerstown Suns, the Orioles organization. It is Daryl Moore. Not a clue. Yeah, we've had, we had much better luck before finding Daryl, please, sir, can I have some more? Uh, I believe this is uh, Daryl and his other brother, Daryl. Oh, yes. Yeah, see, the young kids aren't going to get that one. No. Uh, let's see. I hate to tell you this, Mark. Didn't make the big leagues once again. Uh, let's see, he went 6-4 and four in 1991 between Hagerstown and the uh, Frederick Keys. But uh, yeah, not much. Also played independently in Texas for a couple of teams for Pueblo and I'm going to assume that's Mobile, not Mobile. Yes, I would think so. Wow, you, and there's nothing on this card that's going to help you out either. I, I really hope that you get somebody we've heard of here soon. Would be nice. <laughs> He's got four cards left. Uh, next, we have got a pitcher again for the Hagerstown Suns. They tend to go two teams in a row here. Uh, Jeff Williams. Another uh, name you barely heard of. Yeah, very, uh, very uncommon name. It's weird that uh, maybe we didn't. Uh, so Jeff Williams here. I know he at least played for the Hanshin Tigers. Let's see. I look at that. Four years in the big leagues for Jeff Williams. 1999 Dang. through 2002, he played for the Dodgers. His best year is uh, well <laughs> look at his his wars here for uh, for his four years in baseball positive point one minus point seven minus point three minus point four 
Great. Uh, so you're going to get a positive point one out of that one. That was his rookie year, 1999. He went 2-0 in five games. Three of them were starts, a 4.04 ERA, 17 and two-thirds pitched. Uh, he struck out seven, walked nine, an ERA plus of 107. Well, that's something. He got you. He got you some points. Uh, like I said, I know that he went and played in Japan for the Hanshin Tigers. Wow, did he ever! Seven years for the Hanshin wow. Tigers. Overall, sixteen and seventeen with a two point two ERA. That's wow. impressive. He. I hope he sued for lack of support because with that ERA and an under five hundred record, that's. Uh, that's not good. Well, he was in Japan for the Tigers. He was part of a, a ro- not a rotation because he was a, a back-of-the-end bullpen guy, but they called them the JFKs. Where okay. The J is, is Jeff for him, and then Fujikawa is the F, and Tomiyuku Kubota was the K. So I see. There you go, JFK. All right, next you have got... <laughs> You've got a, another Memphis chick, outfielder Hugh Walker. Hmm. Hugh Walker. Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. Hugh did not make the big leagues either. Well, Hugh's not going to give me any minuses, so. No, he did play a lot of independent ball. Uh, he made it as high as triple A in 1990 wow. for the uh, Omaha Royals at that point. He only appeared in one game there and did not get a plate appearance. So. That was that was as high as he went. Hugh is definitely on Twitter, but he has not posted anything uh, for quite some time. All right. Well, Hugh, get back into the uh, thick of things. Maybe we can have a chat. Yeah. No, this is definitely him on uh, on Twitter. If you want to follow him, he's at Hugh underscore baby. There you go. All right. Now, I'm not sure how we're going to score this one. Uh, you've got a stadium card. <laughs> It is at Municipal Memorial Stadium in Reading, Pennsylvania, the home of the Reading Phillies at this point. Mm. So let's see here. I do not. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything on this card that's going to help you out. No, I can't imagine. That's great. That's great. All right. So who collects stadiums for good estates? <laughs> So you're at 1.7. Now, this could be a historic low for you. Now, I have scored lower than 1.7. Your final card. Okay. Now, here, and your final card, we saved it. You're going to get some points out of this. Playing, he's listed as an infielder here, playing for the Albany Colony Yankees, which I have never heard of that team. Uh, But it is Russ Davis. Hey, Russ Davis, a real big leaguer. Somebody we know. (laughs) And a Mariner at one point. That's right. And uh, I know we've had him before because if you Google him, the first thing that comes up is Russ Davis Wholesale. And I was figuring, you know, that might be him. But no, it was not. (laughs) Uh, You're also going to like this because uh, out of his final three years in professional baseball, one of them was spent in Seattle. So you're going to get that right there. Wow. Uh, let's take a look here. His Russ's best year in the big leagues was uh, clearly, well, okay, out of his eight years in the big leagues, only two of them did he have a positive war. <laughs> so, okay. 1997 was uh, the only year that he posted a war greater than positive one with a 1.8. That was with the Mariners. He appeared in 119 games, hit 271. He had 21 home runs, 63 RBI. A 317 on base and a 109 OPS plus for, like I said, a 1.8 war. He gets that extra tenth of a point for being a Mariner. So that'll be a a 1.8, which will bring you to a total of 3.5. His numbers this best year were were definitely usable. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. He was traded from the Yankees with Sterling Hitchcock to the Mariners for Tino Martinez, Jim Messier, and Jeff Nelson. I'm going to go ahead and just go out on a limb and say the Yankees won that trade pretty easily. And Nelson goes on to get, what, four or five World Series rings. Yeah, well, I think Tino's got a (laughs) fistful as well. I got to admit this pack was not very exciting. What was my final score there? 3.5. 3.5. All right. Well, for uh, only being a handful of big leaguers and the big leaguers only being uh, mostly backups and up and down, 
I'll take the 3.5. Okay. I think I got enough to win. Oof. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling confident here with my, uh, my 1991 triple a cards. Now I've got 12 cards here, so I'm going to, I'm going to have to lose two. I'm going to lose the back two since you took the back two and they didn't seem to hurt you. All right. Well, I've lost Keith Miller with a mustache and I know he played in the bigs and Lee may with a mustache as well, who I believe also played in the big leagues. I think so. Yeah. All right. So let's move on here. So I'm going to start off here with a pitcher for the Iowa Cubs, Joe Kramer. Kramer. I would have nicknamed him Cosmo, but I think that might've been a little bit before. Yes. Before Cosmo. Before his time. All right. So uh, Joe Kramer appeared in the big leagues for two years, 89 and 90 with the Cubs. His best year was a minus 0.3 war. (laughs) (laughs) He had a minus 0.8 his second year. His first year, he went 0-1 with a 4.91 ERA. He appeared in one game, went three and two thirds, gave up seven hits. Uh, He did start this game. I'm going to guess that this was like an emergency thing, maybe a double header. They needed somebody. And then they said, thanks, kid, and sent him down and. No mustache, nothing there. So I'm going to start with a minus 0.3, which is pretty on brand for me. So I guess I'll take that. Well, that one didn't start out so well for me. Next, we've got another. It depends on whose perspective you're looking at it from. Okay, well, next we have got a catcher, another guy for the Iowa Cubs, Dan Simmons. Now, Mm. Dan is a catcher, and he's, uh, he's got a batting helmet with no flaps on. So I'll take that. Nice. He's got a sweatband with the Cubs logo on, but that's that's not what we're looking for. Now, this is not Ron Simmons of WWE fame. Oh, okay. Just I was wondering that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Dan made it to the big leagues here, though. Uh, let's see. Definitely did not. He did play one year. Well, not one year. He had 20 games of AAA catching in 1991. That is uh, obviously the highest that he made it. Uh, overall, he played for four years in the in the minors, but uh, did not do anything. He did become a manager, though, in the 90s. Uh, won in the Pioneer League for the Lethbridge Mounties and then uh, for the Fort Wayne Wizards in single A. But nice. uh, okay. I, I, I am going to get a point, though, for the uh, for the for the no flaps, though. There you go. Uh, Next, I've got a manager card for the Louisville Redbirds. It is Mark Dijon. Okay, so this is this is turning out really good. So yeah, this is good, good, good podcast. I think now this guy did he get put in prison for stealing a loaf of bread? Yes, and I I believe it was part of the revolution. I think I think uh, I even know his prisoner number two four six zero one. You're showing your intellect off here. Don't stop it. Okay, now Mark did make the big leagues for one year in 1982 with the Tigers. Right. Have we ever go. had a 1982 card? No, I, I don't think, think so. Yeah, I don't think we have. Uh, let's see. He came up as an infielder. 24 games, 21 abs, 190 average, uh, no home runs. One RBI, one stolen base, 286 on base, and a 69 OPS plus, which is a war of zero. But <laughs> the, he does have a mustache, so I get that. Facial hair scores. And uh, if you're sticking around to hear these cards, we do appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Big leaguer alert. I feel like I'm going to probably win here with this card. Uh-oh. This card might even be worth something. Uh-oh. I have got an infielder here for the Albuquerque Dukes, who just has a fantastic hat on, by the way, because I love these logos. It is Eric Karos. Uh-oh, yeah, quite a career there. Yeah, I think this, I might have just put it away here with this one card. Yeah, you may have. The best year for Eric Karos is going to be pretty decent. Yeah, now Eric Karros, didn't he star in Webster? Wasn't he the adopted father of uh, Emmanuel uh, Yeah, Lewis? I'm pretty sure you're right there. Yeah, uh-huh. right on. Let's Don't look it that. up. We're not going to no, look it up. Nope. No, we we're, we're know it's true. We know it's true. No need. <laughs> All right. The rookie of the year in 1992, despite the fact only having a 1.0 war that year. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's see. His best year was 1995. Now, I I will jump ahead here, but barely. 
His war in 1995 was 3.7. So just just barely. But uh, let's see the rest of that year. 1995, he hit 298, 369 on base percentage, 32 home runs, 105 RBI, and a 145 OPS plus. As they used to call him on WTBS, Eric Karras. (laughs) He also had a 3.9 in 1999. So I'm not nice. sure which of those I'm going to choose. Yeah, come on, man. You got to make a choice. Uh, I, I guess I'll just stick with the original one. <laughs> there so you go. That puts me at 3.8 compared to your 3.5. But I have had a couple of minuses, so we're just going to we're going to hold off on claiming victory just yet. Uh, Karos remains the only Dodger player in history to hit two home runs in the same inning. Oh, wow. Uh, I think somebody's hit two grand slams against the Dodgers in the same inning, but uh, he's the only Dodger to hit two. So let's just not get negatives. That's all I'm, I'm looking for now. Uh, next, I have got an infielder for the Pawtucket Red Sox, or the Paw Sox, as they were called. It is Mike Tardoski. T-W-A-R-D-O-S-K-I. Uh, one of those is, is silent, I, I'm, I'm sure. Either the T or the W, but I don't know which one. And they're not going to give me a pronunciation guide because he just didn't play in the big leagues. Uh, he did play five years in AAA, though. Wow. I mean, these are full seasons in AAA, too, and never got a call-up. Not in September, not as an emergency uh, you know, infielder or outfielder, nothing. Wow. Must not have thought too highly of Mr. Twardos. I'm gonna I'm gonna say him both, actually. Let's see. He looks like he is the head coach at Emory University now. Uh I got another big leaguer. This is good. Oh, I got Todd Pratt also with the Paw Sox as a catcher. Todd Pratt. Todd Pratt played for 14 years in the big leagues. Oh, that's Todd Pratt. Yes. <laughs> I think you probably remember him. He was a catcher for the Mets. During the uh, the Valentine era, played for the Phillies, the Cubs, uh, the Phillies again, Atlanta. Never an All Star. Never made the a World Series. Uh, let me take that back. He did make a two World Series, but never won a World Series. Let's see here. Looking at his best year in the big leagues, that is going to be. Well, he had two years of one point three. So, uh, again, I'm going to have to make a decision. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the 2000 because that would have made him a teammate with Ricky Henderson on the New York Mets. All right. So uh, his his career kind of sputtered in 1996 after the Mariners cut him in March. And uh, he didn't play that year. And he worked delivering pizzas for Domino's. Wow. That's kind of interesting because the next year the Mets signed him. (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe he could get a discount. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so uh, you'll remember this. Todd Pratt. So you remember in the uh, the playoffs when uh, Robin Ventura hit a game-winning walk-off grand slam and uh, he only got credited for a single because <laughs> everyone ran to mob him? Well, right. Todd Pratt was the runner uh, runner on first base who uh, went and touched second base and then ran back to first to hug him, thusly only allowing for a Grand Slam single for Robin Ventura. That is funny. Now, have you ever heard of the video game Ultima Online? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is a very early MMORPG. Yeah, yeah. From 1997 is when it was released. It says here Pratt was a notable player of Ultima Online and even appeared on the box of the follow-up Ultima Online Renaissance. Wow, you just never know. You never know what you're going to learn on this show, I'm telling you. No, and I'm trying to find... I gotta find a picture of this. It, there's no picture of anybody on the box. No, there's no picture of Todd Pratt. I feel like I've been lied to. All right, so after an exhaustive Google search here, there is no picture of Todd Pratt on the back of this box or anywhere on the box. Front, back, side, inside, maybe the inside, I don't know. That would have that would have kind of been a, a crowning achievement there. All right, so I'm at 5.1. I feel safe now. I got another major leaguer here. Here, oh, a boy. pitcher for the Omaha Royals, Andy McGaffigan. Oh, sure. Longtime comedian. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. I, no nickname. You'd think you'd call him like Gaffer or something. Uh, 11 years in the big leagues for Andy. He was, uh, let's see, well, he did, he started some years and other years not at all. His best year, however, of those 11 years, in 1986 for the Expos, a 3.5 war. Plus, wow. if you remember Andy McGaffigan, he always had a good mustache on him. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, let's see. His uh, Definitely his best years were there with the... Uh, with the Expos in 1986, he went 10 and 5 with a 2.65 ERA, 48 games. He started 14, had two saves, and a 141 ERA plus. So uh, that's going to help. All right, so I've got uh, three cards left. I'm feeling very confident at this point. Next, I've got a pitcher for the Tidewater Tides. It is Blaine Beatty. Uh, uh, no clue. Let's see. Blaine Beatty appeared in uh, two separate seasons in the big leagues, both of them for the New York Mets. Uh, his uh, best war was a point three, which I'll take. Take anything I can get at this point. Uh, let's see. 89 was his rookie season where he appeared in two games. 91 is his best war season. He appeared in five games with a 2.79 ERA, 9.2 innings pitched. And uh, that's about it. He was drafted in the first round of 84 by the Orioles and did not sign. Then the next year, he was drafted in the second round by the Cardinals and did not sign. Well, if I hadn't already won, I knew I, I this would this would clinch it. It is Mr. Marlin, Conine the Barbarian, Jeff Conine. Oh, man, another good one. Yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying my pack, at least. Yeah, mine was lame. Yeah, let's see. Mr. Marlin here ended up playing 17 years in the big leagues, eight for the Fish, six for the Orioles, then the Royals, Mets, Reds, and Phillies in there as well. Let's see, he was a two-time All-Star. He was the All-Star MVP, and he won two World Series rings, both of which came with the Marlins. His best year... Uh, let's see. Looks like it was a 3.5 war in 1996. Uh, let's see. That year, he ended up with, uh, he played in 157 games, 26 home runs, 95 RBI, 293 average, 360 on base, and a 124 OPS+. Plus. Uh, there's nothing else in this card that's going to help me out, but I will take the 3.5 war. This is not, this is a blowout. Yeah. This is, uh, I'm feeling good. I might have to make wholesale changes. You might need to just pick a lineup out of a hat. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, so my final card, uh, as long as it's just not too bad, and this is a name I think he fairly certainly played in the big leagues. I remember this name, Kelvin Torvey with the Tidewater Tides. Yeah, I remember that name too. Let's see, Kelvin Torvey. Well, he played in the big leagues, but only for three years. And his best year was his only positive year, which was a positive point one. Scrape one out there for you. Well, and, and he, I can't see his stirrups here. Uh, those are definitely two and one stirrups. Though, so I will take the hit there. Uh, Kelvin Torvey was a first baseman. Let's see, uh, 19, what did I say? Uh, 1990 was his best year. Uh, with the Mets, he appeared in 20 games. Uh, two RBI, a 289 average, 386 on base. He did have one home run in his career. That came as a rookie with the Twins in 1988. Uh, he did play a couple of years in Japan for the Oryx Blue Wave in 92 and 93, where in 92 he hit 305 with 11 home runs and then kind of petered out the next year and only hit 232. But uh, he was a teammate that year with Ichiro Suzuki, a 19-year-old Ichiro Suzuki, as well That's as cool. So Taguchi. That's cool. Yeah. And mm. Shigatoshi Hasegawa. Getting wow. Shiggy with it. All right. So, you know, my pack was definitely better. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, you finished with a 3.5, and uh, I finished with a 12.5. So let me crunch the numbers here. Yep, I won. So oh, that, that is going to put me. Uh, that's going to put me up five to three. 
Now, <laughs> if, if you do want to concede the season, I am willing to do that, uh, having never won. We're going to need some time to think about it. All right. Well, you mull that over, and while you do that, we're going to go ahead and start to wrap up the show. want to thank everybody again for listening. You can find us if you just can't get enough of us on all the socials. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm going to try to post, like I said, our watch along uh, on uh, on YouTube. If you want to just hear us talking about some random uh tangentical what's the that sounds kind of dirty uh, i'm not sure if you want to use that one. some random baseball tangents that we went on while we were uh having a couple of adult beverages and watching a baseball game uh do that it was fun uh hopefully we can do another one again and maybe give everybody a little bit more notice uh you can find us on youtube uh, twitch all that kind of stuff all of the links are in the show notes there is also a uh email address that mark likes to look at Sure, and it's real difficult to remember the name of the show, Two Strike Noise. Spell it out, Two Strike Noise at gmail.com. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you. I'm going to go uh, hit the gym now, getting ready for this uh, fantasy camp. It's only five months away. I got to get, I got to get going. But uh, we will uh, see you next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.